We're continuing our sermon on thought processes. And um, we talked last week about how we, the things that we feed our minds affect our behavior. This, the, the actions are based on the things that we take in. And after a while, those things are influenced. Those, those actions are influenced. And, and the main picture, if you remember, that we talked about last week was that we wanted to dwell on the concept of noble. We talked about four things, and one of them was noble. And that was kind of the one that we used as our main picture, the idea of elevating ourselves to a higher level. We want to elevate ourselves, being, think on things that are noble. And we're, we're going to go back to our text in just a second. We, we, there were four things that we talked about, being justice and things being noble and being right and true and... and and pure, all, that, all those things kind of mixed up in, in one idea that, that have one thing in common, that they dwell on the, the internal nature, the, the, the nature of the substance. We're going to be talking about something a little bit different. But as we talk about this, I want to highlight a point that, that it's easy for us to identify some things that are wrong with what we take in. That's easy. A lot of the information that we take in and absorb and, and spend our time thinking about is really easy to identify as incorrect, but not all of it. And this is the problem. The problem is that a lot of the information is, is deceptive in that it appears to be good or noble or whatever, but it's not always. And, and so it's kind of like <clears throat> when I got married, we, we got married out west and and so I thought, well, we went up to Taco, I wanted to see Taco. And while we're out here, I kind of want to see the Pacific Ocean. So we went over to California. Now, we got married on a, um, a Friday night. And so so we went over, and I, I wanted to stop off at the church on Sunday. The only one Sunday. So uh, we, we stopped off in Redding, California to go to church. And uh, I Remember, this is in the days before Garmin, or, or the only thing you had was Garmin. You didn't have a smartphone where you could navigate, so I didn't have money for a Garmin. So unless you, you had that, you kind of were stuck to an atlas, which means you could navigate our cities where they had blown up, where you could go into a gas station and get, a, get an atlas, but I was too cheap for that. And, and so I pretty much relied on comfort points. You, you might have MapQuest if you thought things out in advance. You might have downloaded the MapQuest directions and you have like 17 pages of how to get there and there. But I'm on my honeymoon, you know, just kind of freewheeling, no, no real schedule. So we want to go to church. So I had an address and I, I kind of looked at it on a map, you know, and I knew that, you know, MapQuest said it was on highway whatever going up north and south, main, a main highway. So it's right there. I just got to get over to the main highway. That's, that was all I had to do. Now, I'm pretty good with directions. I know that if I want to go east and west long enough, I'll find something going north and south. That's just, that's just you're going to do that. Next up, so we did that. Except that I didn't know that the inventor of the cul-de-sac is from Redding, California. I, I'm pretty sure he is anyway. Uh, based on the number of them. And he didn't just invent any old cul-de-sac. I like cul-de-sacs. They're great, you know, to keep it private and all that. But I like cul-de-sacs. You can tell when you're driving by that it looks like a cul-de-sac. Like, oh, you can't get, get up from there. So, now this guy invented them so that they, they kind of curve around a little bit and then empty out into a cul-de-sac. So you can't see it from the road you're on. So I'm heading west. 
and all of a sudden, go on a call, you know, take a left, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm heading west, and then all of a sudden, I'm heading southwest. Bam! I'm, 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 I'm emptied out south into a cul-de-sac. Okay, so I guess, you know, retrace, turn around, go back, okay, go this way, and then, okay, so I, I didn't want to do that, I'll take this road, and then all of a sudden, boom, I'm going northeast, oh man! And it just did that kind of through the town, so I missed half of the service by the time we got in there. We got there. It was deceiving. Don't be deceiving me. So, uh, here's a, here's a, here's something that maybe you are familiar with. How many remember this? Some of you don't remember. Some of you don't remember. Lemon, try a minute. Now, this is one of those things that's just easy to figure out. There's some information that's easy to figure out. Let me try a minute. What an idea. Let's take something. To, to, the concept of, of, of being deceptive is you're trying to get something down, right? And, and so, so we, we deceive kids by getting their medicine to be flavored, something they'll take down. Try a minute was, it's like, here's an idea. Let's take something that tastes worse than medicine, and that's what will make medicine taste like. No, no that's the wrong idea. The, the, the things that, that are deceiving to us are deceiving because they taste good. That, that you, can, you can say, oh yeah, that's okay. So, we're looking at four different characteristics. And in our text is Philippians 4, 8, 9. It says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely and good of report, if there is any virtue, anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. We talked about the internal nature. We're going to talk about the appearance of things. The appearance of things. So, we begin with one that's kind of a strange idea. He says, whatever is lovely. Now, lovely is kind of an interesting word. When I think of religious things, when I think of lovely, even loosely connected, Lovely, and I, and I don't want this to be taken the wrong way, but lovely is a word that we associate with feminine things. Flowers, dresses, a nice romantic dinner, sunset. You say, well, wait, wait, wait. Sunsets are kind of neutral. I mean, anybody can enjoy a sunset. Then you don't have to be a girl to enjoy a sunset. That is true. However, two guys walking down the street would never, you would never see a situation, two guys walking down the street and one guy observes to the other guy that is a lovely sunset. Right? Yeah, it wouldn't happen. Right? A woman has to be present for you to use the word lovely. It's just, is, that's a fact. And so, he says, whatever is lovely, think on these things. You know, just to, just to emphasize, again, here's some things that guys are attracted to. And I don't think we would look at these 963 Corvette or set of Milwaukee tools or, and, and whatever those things are that we like we would never use the word lovely to describe masculine things. We don't. Those things aren't lovely. Okay, I'm going to have to change this slide because I'm getting hungry right now. For a walk with cheese. Anyway, um, strange idea. Whatever is lovely. Information certainly is not something we think of as being lovely. So I want to explore this when we talk about lovely. 
Proverbs 23, 6 and 7 describes a person and says, do not eat the bread of a man who has an evil eye. Do not desire his delicacies, for he is like one who is inwardly calculating. He can drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. And so we see this, this inner plot, the, the thinking, the thought process has evolved to such a degree that, that it changes who he really is. Lots of times we talk about a person being an ugly person, not talking about what they look like physically, but just their character, the, the nature, and where is that? What, what is that? Where, where does that come from? Why is this person? It's the result of a thought process. The result. So when we're talking about thinking about something lovely, we're really talking about what it is because of what it produces. Matthew chapter 15, verse 8 through 12 says, In vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And he calls people to him, he said, Hear and understand. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. And the disciples came and said to him, You know, the Pharisees were offended when they heard this. The Pharisees were offended. Yeah, they should have been. He was talking about them. They figured that out. I think he's talking about it. It's not what goes in to your mouth that defiles you. It's what comes out. It's those, the thought processes and what they produce. And this, the results, again. And we see here the complete lack of self-awareness on the part of the Pharisees. You have a particular reputation. They had a reputation, but they thought their reputation depended upon the way they dressed or the way they talked or, or all these other little things. And they didn't understand that they were ugly people. Why were they ugly people? Well, they were monsters. It didn't make a difference what kind of clothes they wore, nice, elegant robes or, or their flowery speeches or any of that stuff. That didn't determine their reputation. They were ugly people because they plotted people's death. Because they suborned perjury. Because they would do anything. Nothing was beneath them to get what they wanted. And it turned them into awful people. And people anybody could recognize. You don't want that person at a barbecue. So you don't want that person. But they viewed themselves, and this is the point we're talking about, how could they get there? How could they be those kind of people? Because it was thought, the thoughts that they had, you, they could convince themselves that they were okay. Why? Because they were protecting the people from, from Jesus. They were protecting um, you know, this, this, the purity of their religion. And so anything that you would do to do that is okay. It's kind of like the Crusades. People thought, well, we're protecting holy sites, so we're protecting Jerusalem, we're protecting this from, from this group of people. So, so it's okay to start a holy war. No, no it's not. When you start thinking that it's, well, I can see why this is okay. No, it will produce something that is not lovely. So you can see how they, they got there. Now, next one. He says, if anything is a good report. What does that mean? Good report. The literal meaning, and this is, this is a, the literal words here are so general that it has a lot of possible meanings. Literally, it means well-spoken. And when we think of well-spoken, we think of someone that might be eloquent. 
someone who's really a master with words, and you can just sit there and you can just, I don't know what he said, but please, that was, that was awe-inspiring. Now, uh, he's just a, a, a person, a golden-tongued person. Well, some of your versions probably translate this as commendable. That's a, that's a pretty good translation. I like that one. The exact intended meaning isn't clear. But I think that, that this is closer to it. Here's a couple of ideas that, that we could see in here. When we talk about being well-spoken, we would talk about good news, right? So it's something related to good news. And I'm not talking about, hey, I got some good news today. Remember, no, we're talking about the gospel. Because no tree bears bad fruit, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, but each tree is known by its fruit. Things are not gathered from thorns or grapes picked from briars. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil, and out of the abundance of the heart will not speak. That's kind of what we talked about in the last one. The last verse was similar to that. I want to specifically talk about among Christians. When we come together, we like to share what's going on, what we've been thinking about, the things that you've been thinking about, the things you talk about. It's just, it comes out. And do you have to self-censor? Do you have to self-censor? Do you have to say, oh, we can't talk about that one? I'm in church. Right? Well, the things that you think, if they are limiting your relationship with other people, it's not really, you can't share the news of your life. You can't really give the news, because there's no good news. It's, it's just kind of, it's not really good to be reported. You limit yourself. Right? You're driving in the car, listening to some good tunes, and all of a sudden, ah! I know it's in the third verse of Brown Eyed Girl, Van Morrison. No, 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 no. Oh, turn that off before the kids here. Third verse. Maybe we have to, we have to self-censor. Titus, chapter 2, verse 7 and 8 says, Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may, not, may be put to shame having nothing evil to say about us. So it's not just when we're together, but it's when we're outside of here. That there should be something that affects our reputation. That's the next thing, our reputation. And if we were to back up into this text, he talked, he had some specific advice. And this is the conclusion of that advice. He talks about what old people, old men should do, what, what old women should do, what young men should do, what young women should do. And in each of the lists, he really starts off with their thought process of being serious, sober-minded, and, and, um, and, and the various, as you go through the various ones, it talks about the thought processes. Because it is the thought process that affects our behavior and determines our reputation, that determines our actions. And so the purpose is to develop a reputation so that criticism of Christianity will be obviously invalid because it doesn't, that doesn't apply to them. Oh, you know what those Christians do? Well, if we take in the wrong kind of information, we will end up justifying those criticisms of Christianity. So we don't want to do that. We want to go to reputation for the church. 
says, if anything is virtue and worthy of praise. Now, we're going to hold off on anything worthy of praise for a reason. Uh, because next week, we're going to begin a series on worship. For about five weeks, we're going to go through worship. And I want to hold off a little bit, so we're just going to kind of include virtue and worthy of praise under the same umbrella. If anything, if there is any virtue, you say, well, isn't that awesome? I found something of virtue. There's just a little bit of virtue in there. We kind of talked about that last week. Uh, I just found a little bit. No, that's not what he's talking about. He's not saying, if you find something of value, then it's okay. That makes, that, that's, you know, the justification for the whole thing. So we uh, watch movies. We're talking about this. We have movie nights. And uh, with the kids, and you gotta, you gotta be judicious about the, the types of movies you watch with kids. And so, well, it's not really just with kids. Quite frankly, you should be judicious with the movies that that you watch by yourself. But but I, I realize that this certainly, but we we understand that kids can't even handle some some things. I mean, some of the things that they get scared about. So so we go through. And uh, I like, man, I thought I remember there being more good movies to watch. I can't think of any good movies that we haven't watched, you know, 800 times. We've watched, you know, The Bugs Life or, you know, Finding Nemo or something like that. But can we watch something else? So, so look through this and, and go through good family movies to watch. I, I scrolled through a list. 100 good family movies to watch. Okay, so I'm scrolling through. And I've I come across one of them was... Like, you can't trust these lists. One of them was Back to the Future. No! No, you cannot watch that. It's not a good family movie. That is not a good family movie. That is a horrible movie. They don't trust anything in the 80s. Man, PG cannot be trusted in the 80s. So, so okay, we got that. I'm going to a religious site that reviews. Because you can get got some really good movie review sites. Uh, that are because they'll tell you what's this. They'll say, that word is used 17 times. Okay, that's the best. So, so I was looking, it's just kind of, it was kind of funny. It, it says, this is in it, and this is in it, and this is in it, and we recommend it for nine years or older. I'm like, wait a minute. You just told me that's in it, and it's recommended for nine Okay, so our standards are messed up, but hey, at least I know what's in it, and I can make my own decision about what age should be watching that. That's how we talk about this is if there's anything of value. Hey, well, there's all this crap in it, but, you know, it was a good lesson. It was a good lesson. There was a good moral at the end of it. No, it's still manure. That's not what he's saying. What he is saying is there is a world of things to take in. Can't you find something of virtue? to think about. Isn't there something with a whole sea of information to think about? It doesn't have to be a Bible verse movie or just a Bible something movie. Isn't there something that you can take in that is virtuous and worthy of praise that's okay? Some things are virtuous simply because they're permissible. Because God says, you're free in this area. This is okay. It doesn't have to be a directly religious thought, but it's okay. And so, it is worthy of praise. It, is, it has virtue in it. 
Last week we ended with the question, do I think like a child of a king? And we want to kind of go back to that picture, that being noble. And I want to ask just a couple of questions. First of all, have I taken every thought captive? Paul says, take every thought captive. Because that's what kings do. It's one of the things they do that we go into a place and we're, we're captive people. Yeah, that's not a nice picture. But that's what kings do. They take things captive. The king wants to take things captive. And one of the things he wants to take captive is your thoughts. We are the, the soldiers that do that. We take our own thoughts captive. If your thoughts are captive, then you are not under authority. And so, reflect on this. As not just what we're talking about today, but based on this entire lesson, are, are all the things that we take about, are they, are they noble and true and right? Are they, are they sneaky? They sound good, but they're kind of a little off. Investigate and take every thought captive. But I want to kind of look at this also from a slightly different perspective. Not just do I think like a child of the king, but I want to ask you, as we close, are you a child of the king? Maybe the reason you don't think like a child of the king, if you don't, is because you're not. If you have not responded to his invitation, then you are not a child of the king. The path to a higher state of mind begins with a decision. That is a it's a process that begins if you have not made that decision to be his child. It's time to begin that process. And to let God start to take those thoughts captive. To let him start to rework those thoughts. And say, well, we have kind of a tree here that needs some, some cleaning up. It's not the right kind of tree. And I can make it a tree that I can use. I'll ask you to make the decision to become a child of the king.